world. Welcome to episode 36 titled Grilling Cas About Enduro Bikes. And as you probably guessed, today we are talking field test. We're talking to Casimir and we're going to ask him all sorts of questions about those enduro bikes that he tested over the past month. Uh, but first, because we're talking enduro bikes, I want to know, Kaz, when was the last time you did an enduro race? How did it go too, actually? Tell me how it went. Uh, it went pretty well. It's been a few years, actually. I think it was like maybe even 2017. Is that right? I've done like little local. We have little like am- like like uh, evening races here during the summer. That's pretty fun. But then I think 2017, the Whistler uh, Enduro, I did that. I think I like, oh, that's a big one. Yeah. I did like the amateur, so not the pro category, the the open amateur, whatever. I think I got like ninth or something. So. Out of nine? No, I think there was like 40 or 50. Oh, 40. that's pretty good. Kat. Yeah, it was You're all right. Solid. Like, You're solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like to do a few races a year, but like obviously this year didn't work. And then yeah. I think I was hurt one year. I don't know. Hopefully next I year I can do a few races. I didn't do that one. Uh, just looking at the results, though, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten eights. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Sarah. We should. One of these years, we need to both do the EWS and see how it goes. I'll step That'd on your fun. balls. I know exactly it. how it'll go. <laughs> we can make it happen this year. Let's do it. I'm Will you both the... use appropriate bicycles? I'm just imagining Levy's going to show up on a monitor here. We'd have to use the same bikes, the same equipment, I think. Yeah, that'd be that a good mic versus mic. Yeah, let's do it. Kaz, yeah. I, I'm hoping to do the BC bike race this year. You should do that too. No, Enduro. I will what? crush you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so moving on to Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I'll beat you, you at the Whistler to... UWS. <laughs> I'll, you, have to, you have to do all my work when I leave for a week to do the BC bike race. We both can't go, I guess. I know, yeah. Right. We'll figure this out. Either way, I'll race you sometime this summer and beat you. It'll be good. We need, we need some more Mike versus Mikes, I think. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Sarah? When was the last time you did an Enduro race? I feel like this is a, a sore topic. The last time I did an enduro race was 2018, June of 2018, and uh, I did the first half of the first stage. So maybe this doesn't count. And then I broke both my arms. So oh, that, was, yeah. that was it a yeah. race. That's the that. last time I actually did an enduro race or like started Uh-oh. an enduro race. <laughs> no. Oh no, Sarah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you, Cam Loops Enduro. So, I was gonna actually do one last year. I was gonna do better, yeah. but it was oh, canceled. Good. Yeah, it was good. It was canceled. So, so for those that don't know, Sarah was walking around with two broken wrists yeah. or arms. Wrists. Yeah. Yeah. So you had two casts on, one on, one on each arm, obviously. Yeah. 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 And you were still you, the happiest person ever, though. <laughs> like, for, yeah. for someone broken, breaking both their wrists, you were the most optimistic person. It was really impressive. Yeah, I was you were really lucky chipper. Yeah. To have and, great support because yeah. <laughs> and you came back to the our Pemberton field test pretty quick for that too. I remember that. Yeah, Whistler. Yeah, that was yeah. The, just smiling the whole time. Meanwhile, I was after, just yeah, walking Kaz around, had a broken back. scowling, I had, you know, and I was perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. I had a broken ankle. That no, I had a broken ankle the year before. Anyways, let's move on. James, <laughs> have yeah, you ever done an enduro race, James? Mine's a lot less dramatic than that. I think mine was 2017, same as Kaz. Uh, I did one called the Swin Duro, which is uh, in Swinley Forest, which is kind of a notoriously flat trail center. So I think it was like eight stages and like 600 meters of vertical across all the stages. So oh, wow. a bit of a pedal fest. Um, don't remember exactly how I did, but I know I came one place behind my brother and then haven't ah, raced again since. So. The worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst. I think the last one I did uh, was in Oregon for a Fox camp thing. 
It was fun. That was, that was so long ago, Levy. Wasn't it like I know. I don't like to race. I grew up racing downhill, so I don't really enjoy being timed on the downhills all that much anymore. Because you know what happens? I try too hard, and then I just blow up, and a shoe comes off. Like, give me cross not. country. Give me downhill. Don't give me this in between I, here. It's just, I if a downhill race was two hours long, and you had to pace yourself, I feel like I would do... Actually, I would do way worse. <laughs> I would like that though. Yeah, like the ultra, like a, if they could have some super long descent. I guess that's like, like the old super D's. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. All right, James, your brother beat you in that race, but we're going to let you read the news anyway. Take it away. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so the big release of the week, uh, probably the Nomad, um, but we'll be going to that in uh, a lot more depth uh, in the field test roundup. So we'll start with a couple of other new bikes. Um, first up is another small wheeler, and that's the updated Pivot Max 6. It's still 158 millimeters of travel, um, but now the DW-Link shock is oriented vertically, um, similar to the layout we saw on the Switchblade earlier in the year. Um, this allows for trunnion mount, um, proper water bottle fitting, uh, and there are also two new tool docks for extra storage. Um, as with the Nomad, some suspension and geometry tweaks. Um, although I thought some numbers, uh, for example, 65 degree head angle, um, still seems pretty conservative to me. Um, do you guys think that's fair? Yeah, it does seem fairly conservative. For this kind of bike, you know, it's got a coil shock, 160 mils of travel. You kind of think it would have gone a little slacker. Um I mean, yeah. I've got 130 mil bikes with 65 degree head angles and slacker 64 degree head angles in my yeah, garage exactly. right now. The Norco Optic was 65 degrees. Yeah. So head angles, not everything. But with this bike, it's yeah, kind of interesting the route they're going. Um, it looks good. Like the actual lines of the bike, it looks really nice. We'll see. Slacker doesn't mean better, of course. It just no. means slacker. Right. But with all the travel, it's kind of nice to, you would think you'd be going down rough, steep terrain, but who knows? Do you think there's something in it being sort of like designed for their more kind of deserty terrain down there? And yeah, it could be. You know, if you're kind of like, yeah, Phoenix riding. I mean, there's it's not super steep, but it is rocky. So kind of, it's almost more like having extra travel is nice. You don't necessarily need the longest, slackest bike down there. The other thing too, I think, is along the same lines as Ibis is that it's always. I mean, we tend to just say, oh, the slacker one is the probably going to be the better one or the longer one or the lower one. But that's obviously, I mean, we've said this a zillion times, that's not obviously true. And there's lots of places where that head angle would be probably just right. I don't know, you know? Yeah. And you guys put a little longer fork on it. It's 160, 160 is where those numbers come from. So with a 174, you'd, you'd get your half degree and then you'd be in the 64s if you needed to be extra trendy. Half a degree, you'll go yeah. from you'll go so from James. Different. You'll go from your brother beating you by one place, James, to winning. Well, yeah. that's what I was missing. <laughs> so from something maybe a bit conservative to a slice of straight ridiculousness, um, Cornelius Capfinger, the man behind um, Intense Wild Hover Shocks, the upside down forks, all of that. He's got a new fork. It's called the Bandit, or maybe the One Armed Bandit. Um, this isn't a single crown fork. It's not a double crown fork. Um, it's got 1.5 crowns. So if you haven't seen it, think of it as a double crown fork, but with the sort of the head tube stanchion bit only on one side. Um, the right side, I think, Mike, is that right? I don't know. Is it the left side? <laughs> <laughs> it, there were some commenters in there that said I got it wrong, but maybe I was just looking at it from the other side of the bike. Like maybe I was looking at it from the rider's point of view. You know, yeah, you should have specified rider's left or rider's right. No, because then I would be wrong. Yeah. This way I'm right <laughs> both ways. <laughs> See? Smart. Planning ahead. Thinking ahead. <laughs> 
Um, there's method to the madness. Um, Cornelius has used that extra space to create um, a massive negative chamber, um, which he says gives greater sensitivity um, and was inspired by the four-sprung secus, which is um, something we talked about in the podcast a couple of months ago. Um, Cornelius has said this probably isn't going to go mainstream. Um, he actually said it's so special that only the freaks of the freaks will be interested here. Um, Levy, you yes. like this one? Yes. You You're a <laughs> yes. freak of a freak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so obviously it looks weird. Cornelius is amazing. The, the, the idea here is to get that massive negative air chamber to make the fork super active, but without having all of the extra weight of a dual crown fork, and he's getting some extra rigidity as well. There's three bushings in that one side and the big side. I mean, it definitely, it makes sense. But yeah, you look at it. The thing is, the thing is super weird. I'd love to try it. I want to try one of his hover shocks as well. Yeah, I want to try a hover shock on like a 120 millimeter travel pole. That's what I want. Why do you say hover? I usually say hover. What did I say? Hover. And what did you say? Hover. I mean, they sound the same to me. Yeah. How do you say, you say hovercraft <laughs> or hovercraft? Hovercraft. Oh, I'd say hovercraft, yeah. Yeah. Hover, hover, hover. hover. Oh, whatever. Uh, Anyways, yeah, Cornelius, <laughs> you're doing some cool stuff. And that's really the neat thing is here is that Fox and RockShocks, they have to think about stuff that they have to sell. They're not going to invest a ton of stuff. Of course, they're doing all sorts of cool stuff behind closed doors. But Cornelius and these small brands like Intend, they can do these weird things because they, Cornelius will be happy to sell, I don't know, how many do you think, Kaz? <laughs> Not yeah, many, <laughs> not many, but yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, I love that too. He can just do what he wants, doesn't have to care and he's smart and yeah, hopefully we can get one of these things in. That bike, it was on, looked interesting too. Oh, that, that Crossworks? Uh, crossworks yeah. and that Whoa. had both the things. So maybe you just had to snag that bike for you somehow. Yes. That bike did look really, really good. It was the, like this low pivot with the, just that low swing arm. It kind of has that moto look to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, now that I'm all excited. <laughs> um, moving on from tech, um, we're starting to see those team rumors become reality and moves starting to be announced. Um, the big one so far probably is that Loris Verger has announced he's moving on from the syndicate. Um, he's been with those guys three years now, um, won races, um, but yeah, he's off, off to a new team. Specialized Gravity commented on his Instagram, um, welcome home. Do you think he could be back with Loic next year? It seems like that's exactly what they said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They seem to really like each other. They always give each other big hugs at the end of the race, you know. Yeah. It'd be good if they're on the same team. Yeah, I think the teams have really got into the spirit with the trolling in the past few years as well, though. Um, love to this throw people. True. Set, I know. So. I'm always nervous when we like write an article that's like, so-and-so is moving on. It's like, wait, are they just pulling our leg? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know, I would like to know what he would really prefer, not him specifically, but like you've got this guy who can win World Cup downhill races and would he rather ride a V10 or would he rather ride a demo? I would like to have some kind of off the record conversation about that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, especially with how much fiddling he's always doing at the races or it seems like it at least with the, yeah. the Fox. Well, like, and and, yeah. Even Greg as well too with that V10 mm -hmm. doing the stuff with the swing arms and yeah, interesting stuff. Um, on the XC side of things, um, Emily Batty announced she's leaving Trek after 12 years. Sarah, I remember you saying she you raced against her domestically when she was on Trek, like on like a shop deal and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be really strange to see her on another brand. Yeah, I thought it was a long time, but I didn't realize, yeah, 12 years, like most of her racing career on a Trek. So, yeah. Did you, Did you ever beat her? 
Did you race in the same <laughs> class? I think I raced in the same class like once, like she was a little bit. What's older. your excuse? She just Maybe. took off and here you are at Pink Bike. Yeah. <laughs> She's still racing internationally and, you know, I'm just, yeah. just here with you guys. Yeah. Do we know where she might end up? Uh, I think the rumor is Canyon. Oh. Um, but yeah, absolutely unconfirmed, of course. But that's what I've heard. So we'll see. I saw something about her husband starting a World Cup team, so... Maybe she'll be a part of that. Um, a few more rumours, just bash through them quickly. Um, Yoan Borelli off Common Cell. Um, not, not on the Grim Donut as oh, far as no. I know. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. We don't know for sure yet. Um, Lewis Buchanan off Forbidden. Angel Suarez off the YT Mob. Melanie Chapaz off Hope. Um, contracts normally end on December 31st, so... I guess between now and the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of these. And then January onwards, we'll actually get to know where people are riding next year. So it's going to be a fun New Year's Eve for James. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, um, yeah, we've enjoyed so many kind of banger edits recently. It seems that without racing or competing to do this year, riders have just been putting together some pretty incredible footage. Um, for comparison's sake, in November and December last year, we had three must-watch videos. Um, we've had 11 so far this year. Um, so adding to the tally this week was Remy Morton's Sound of Speed. Um, we had this really cool like free hub grind on a bench. Um, Matt McDuff, who um, kind of spent more time fakey than forward in his title edit, and then Kyle Strait returned to Rampage um, and was throwing down like classic no-handers off huge drops. It's really, really awesome. Um do you guys think our video of the year list might need a bit of a, a rethink? There's only one video of the year. It was made by Remy Metallier. And it's insane. I feel but like... Levy, did you watch? Mac yeah. Did you even see McDuff's video, Levy? No, it doesn't matter. I don't need to. He's riding backwards. What does that have to do with mountain biking? Because he does a flip while he's going backwards. You have I to know, watch. I'm just then... joking, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. You but should. I'm, that Remy video is still blowing my mind. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you should watch this Matt McDuff. Like I'd kind of forgotten about McDuff. I mean, just because he'd been injured for a while and I didn't remember when he stopped, I didn't remember him being this good. And this video is crazy. Do you remember we used to do those review bazookas with Matt McDuff? Those, <laughs> yeah, those video are great. reviews? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put a link to some review bazookas in the article for this podcast, everybody, because we used to do these things with Matt McDuff. They were amazing. I'm a they huge good. Matt McDuff fan. Yeah, me too. He's a good guy. And, it, but just, regardless of if he's riding backwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also good at that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Good week for videos. Remy Morton's was great too. I like no change, just the sounds and how stylish that guy is. And I love his style itself, like the tall socks and no knee pads. I like it because it makes people riled up. And I love that. Are you going to adopt it? No. no I need breaks, knee pads. No knee pads. <laughs> <laughs> no, knee pads. <laughs> All right. That's it for the news. We're going to head on to reader questions now. The first one is from, oh, I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong, Ichthus13. It's probably I think like, it's okay if you pronounce that one wrong. It's not a yeah. word. He says... He says, uh, do you guys change your suspension settings when riding in the cold? He says, I went for my first colder ride of the season last week. You notice the suspension felt super harsh uh, versus when the air temperature warmed up by about 15 degrees at the end of his ride. That's a nice warming up. Yeah, for sure. So when you ride your bike in the cold, the the oil is thicker. Things are moving slower. Um, 
A good example, Kaz, do you remember when we went to Sedona for years and years ago, one of those original field tests? And then we, for a day, we went and rode in... With the Flagstaff, right? Flagstaff, thank yeah. you very much. And it was quite a bit colder there. It's quite a bit higher. And I was on a bike that I had been riding in Sedona previously for a few days. That bike felt like ass. And I ended up having to change a couple things and it felt great after that. So yeah, we definitely do. Kaz, yeah. change that. Yeah, same thing. A lot of times it's a rebound because the rebound gets so slow. So I end up opening up the rebound a little bit. Um, yeah, luckily where I live, it doesn't usually get much below freezing. or And, and sometimes I'll just adapt to the if it's below freezing. You're not going to like switch out your oil for a lighter weight or anything like that because hopefully it warms up again but i think your rebound is the thing you'll notice the most if it's cold out so you can speed it up a little bit to try to help bring it back and our next question is from cash allen he wants to know from both of us casimir when you're testing not release bikes how do you prevent the keen-eyed trail spotters from seeing and possibly posting about embargoed bikes well cash allen i don't ride with anybody and I usually don't stop where people are stopped. So that's about it. What about you, Kaz? Yeah, it's the same. It's not that hard, really, if you ride alone. Or my group of friends that I ride with is pretty small, and they all know they wouldn't ever take a picture because sometimes they're on bikes from other companies and things. So it's kind of a just small little group we cruise around with and keep moving. Don't hang out at the trailhead. and It's not that hard. Have you ever had to ask somebody to remove a picture or not do something? Don't think so. I don't think like I've maybe had a friend a... didn't know... I definitely have. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think I've had that. I haven't been with somebody that's like been sneaky and taking a picture and try to do anything with it. Plus, they would probably try to post it on Pinkbike. So luckily, we could probably control that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ban hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's pretty easy. That's the nice thing about, yeah, the, going out in the woods, especially during the day. Like, we're lucky enough, we can usually sneak out for our rides in the middle of the day. So. Right, right. Okay, Kaz, this one is for you because a couple of days ago, we were actually talking about travel to just forks. And the face you made when somebody suggested that you use a travel adjust fork wasn't pretty. So short Jeff's the owner. He says, what's wrong with travel adjust forks? I just got into mountain bike a couple of years ago. Uh, so I missed them, but a friend has a talus and he likes the idea of having a fork reduced to 140 when he doesn't need more travel. So is it the best of both worlds, Kaz? Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I don't think it is. I've never liked how travel adjust forks make the bike feel when you're climbing. Like, it's a weird it doesn't really make sense why it makes it feel that way. But to me, it just makes it feel so much slower. Like if I have the fork at full extension, say it's 160 mils or whatever, and then I drop it down to 140 or 130, whatever it lets you do, it feels like the bike gets so slow and sluggish. I'm not sure if it's just because my weight is getting shifted or just the, the head angle change, but I've never been a fan of how that feels. There are also spring rate concerns as well too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and, yeah. If you're going downhill with that, I don't, I just think it's extra complication that you don't need. It's not hard to adapt to, riding uphill with your bike with the same geometry that it has all the time. I don't think you need to be changing that around. Is that true, Kaz? That it's not hard to adapt? Yeah. No, then why do you like bikes with adjustable geometry? No, on the fly. I don't think you need it on the fly adjustable geometry. Yeah, okay, okay. Just checking. Yeah, I, I thought I had like that. Was it the Bionicon? <laughs> the Bionicon yeah. could like push the thing. And <laughs> yeah. Is Bionicon still around? I feel like they're like, one of those companies that will never go away. They always German. Have, like you know bike we have talked so much shit. We need to get a Bionicon. Can you put it on? Can you put it on the list of bikes for me, Kaz? <laughs> it might have a I'd motor be, at this point. I feel like yeah, it'd be a great Bionicon video bike. as well too. <laughs> yeah, we can get that, and then we'll get that three wheeled bike that we put up the other day that had like the, the thousand percent bike? climbing range. Yeah, we'll get you a climbing bike and a Bionicon. It had four wheels, Kaz. The problem is with that you can't tip over. So it's no, it only had three. Oh, it was two in the front, and one in the back. Well, you still you can't tip over. So it's cheating. 
Yeah. Like you never need to dab. You just stop. <laughs> yeah. But back to Bionicon. It looks like they're still around. They have some regular bikes, but I don't see all the Not adjustments in anymore. Regular. I know. Well, they have an e-bike, the Wyatt and the Erp. But I don't see the adjustments. I don't know. They might have changed their tactics. I'll have to look into this. But the okay, old we'll look in. We'll report yeah. back on Bionicon next podcast. Breaking news, everybody. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and our last question is from Jeremy3220. Forgetting labels, is there really an advantage to having a bike that weighs 33 pounds or more, 64 degree head angle, and 160 millimeter travel fork, but with only 130 or 140 millimeter millimeters of travel in the rear? Does it actually pedal any better than a 160, 160 bike? Jeremy, it's not a, just strictly about the pedaling as well, too. Like that 130 or 140, 160 bike, it's going to feel very different, have a different personality on the trail than a 160, 160 bike. It'll probably pedal better, too, which definitely isn't a bad thing what do you think Kaz? yeah i'm mean, same thing it's it probably will pedal a little bit better but it's more about how the bike feels which is harder to kind of put into words but usually those bikes have you know notice that ramp up a little bit quicker so you can have a little poppier bike uh, you're not you don't need to push through as much travel to get that where the where the shock does ramp up so yeah it'll have a a different feel that some people like i prefer kind of a little bit shorter um travel bike a lot of times for mellower trails it's easier to pop around and yeah, it will feel different. So if you take the weight out of the equation, it's just kind of a matter of what, how you want your bike to handle more than anything. Yeah. It'll end up having a different personality on the trail. Yep. All right. And that brings us to today's discussion. We're going to grill Kaz. They've had their chance to ask me a ton of questions about the trail bikes. And now it's our turn to do the same with Casimir with our five enduro bikes. Kaz tested the new Santa Cruz Nomad that we just spoke about, the Rocky Mountain Altitude, Propane Spindrift and Propane Accessories, the Norco Shore, and the new Trek Slash. Kaz, I got a question for you to start this. What the heck is an enduro bike these days? That's a good question. It's kind of turned into the term for any bike with a certain amount of travel. And is, I, don't, yeah. I have 150 mils. Do I have an enduro bike? I have yeah, 170. Have I have 160. Are they enduro bikes? <laughs> <laughs> you can enduro anything. You can enduro a hardtail. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter. But these days, enduro bikes do tend to be in that kind of like 150 to 170 mil range as far as rear travel. Designed to still be pedaled to the top of the hill, but also go fast going down. So that's an enduro bike. But there's obviously lots of room to, you can kind of make whatever bike you want to race. But I'd say that's the basic definition. I was going to say, like, do you think the racing aspect is still like an important part of it? Like, should they be quite like race focused bikes yeah i mean i think i think that the racing has actually helped that's kind of a reason we have so many of these really good bikes where they've kind of seen what the racers are doing kind of how that style has evolved and it's it's helped us get new great bikes out there um but yeah i don't the name the name is kind of funny i'm sure most people that are buying these bikes aren't actually racing you know not a, lots of people do race but a lot of them are just going to do a race a year and then most of the time they're riding their bike up and down all around so that's kind of what these bikes are for but with more travel than your typical trail bike it sounds like a lot of people that own downhill bikes too you know most of those people don't race a season of downhill racing you know they, yeah. they go to the park lots and they do lots of shuttle laps yep exactly so i'd say you know this these days the enduro bikes are kind of for the people that want to get after it by pedaling to it so you know we did also call this the free ride category because we have some bikes that are kind of even slacker and bigger and heavier that i'd still consider free ride bikes but yeah, naming bikes is always, or putting them in categories is always kind of funny and sort of controversial. But um, but overall, for this this test, all the bikes had more than 160 millimeter, had 860 millimeters or more rear travel. That was kind of how we split this up. 
Kaz, do we ever see EWS pros race on 180 millimeter bikes with more travel? I don't think we've seen too many. Not that I can think of. We've seen some forks for sure. Using yeah, longer forks. forks like for Whistler, a lot of the guys will put on or, um, yeah, 180 forks. But I don't think there's a bike that I can think of off the top of my head that I've seen raced with more than 170, really. Someone probably has, but overall it tends to be towards that 160, 170 range, even maybe a little shorter. I mean, the SB150, the Yeti, uh, obviously only has 150 mils of travel, and Richie Rude does well on that. So. Yeah, he does okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's start at the top of the page, Kaz, because that's where it is right now on the Pig Bike homepage, that new Nomad, Little Wheels. My first question, Kaz, why did you put that Fox 36 on backwards? It's all about that negative offset. You just got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a negative you needed to speed up offset. the handling a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the future. No, What's the, the deal with that? On, it's not on backwards. It's, uh, it looks 38. like it. <laughs> no, it does, but it's not. <laughs> the, the head it looks the like one, it. <laughs> did it wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I called it a 36 too, didn't I? It's a 38. Maybe it's a 38. Yeah. So it's got big stanchions, bigger stanchions, and with the big head tube, and it does have reduced offset. Um, so a 37 mil offset because of the 27 five inch wheels. It just it's almost an optical illusion. It does look like the crown's on backwards, but it's not. So nobody needs to worry about that. Test was done properly. On the surface, it seemed like the changes were kind of not too great from the, the fourth generation. Um, were you kind of able to notice them? while you were testing it changes to the bike they're more slight revisions rather than a drastic overhaul but realistically it didn't need to be more than it was before like these little things all help it it's got that steeper c tube angle pedals better um got a little bit slacker but it's still kind of your do everything long travel bike um, and i mentioned in the review it actually feels more like a it's more well-rounded than it's ever been did they make it quite a bit longer like did they just is it longer slacker lower i guess it, it is but not to the extremes like the by going longer i think it got a 16 mil bump up in reach but that gives it a reach in the 470 range 472 i think so which is pretty normal if not a little that feels like home yeah i don't want to say conservative because it felt really comfortable to me but um people looking for the absolute longest and slackest bike might be like oh the nomad they didn't go that far but then you ride it and like i could ride this anywhere and be really happy so when you were riding it the whole time, were you thinking, I wish it was on big wheels? No, I wasn't really. No, it feels like, do you remember the Bronson that we had a couple of years ago? How yep. long that bike yep. was? The Nomad is just, it reminded me a lot of the Bronson, just a little bit more can travel. I, can I just, just sidebar here. I felt the same thing when I got on that Ibis with small wheels. Like I got on it and I was like, I expected it to be like, oh, I want it on big wheels and boom, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's right? fine. Like, yeah, I mean, we've all, I do prefer big wheels, but this bike, I was never like, it would be better. I just had a good time. It's a mountain bike. Who cares? You're goofing off in the woods. So if you like smaller wheels, the Nomad is there. It exists. And uh, they did a really good job with it. Like I was super happy with how it performed. Tell me, tell me what, what it's good at. Tell me what it's bad at. I'd say it's good. I mean, surprisingly, not that surprisingly, but climbing is actually really good at it. I think you could like this bike. It's, you know, pretty quick under power. Um, and that's something that. that you say about other Santa Cruz bikes, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah they just have a you, know, you can keep that shock open and the position like i mentioned already was nice and comfortable so if you want to go on a big day you could take this bike out and not feel like oh i brought my super heavy free ride bike like i would go on a ten thousand for a day if i felt like it with this bike and not be you sad. you would i would <laughs> you are that person <laughs> it's it really that heavy well in the efficiency test too like it beat the ibis mm -hmm. in the efficiency test yeah. and it beat all the other all the other enduro-ish bikes by a decent margin so yeah it moves doesn't it yeah so as far as cons go i guess the 
it wasn't the fastest. And a lot of people are like, and I kind of, you mentioned it, don't hold the time testing to the highest standard. Cause now there's people like this bike was the slowest. Why would I buy it? But I mean, if you're going to be buying a race bike, this isn't your enduro race bike. Like obviously we mentioned the wheels, so it has smaller wheels. It's not going to be as fast as those longer and bigger wheeled bikes, but for just having a good time in the woods, it's super fun. Yeah. I wish it looked different. I wish it was, you know, you look at it, it looks it looks exactly like all the other Santa Cruz bikes. Sort of like the new Altitude, the new Rocky looks like all the other Rockies. I wish it looked more interesting, but I mean, you can't argue with it working well, can you? Yeah, and you can get the fluorescent green one, so that'll help you stand out. No, no, I can't. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the Altitude now. Or is that an instinct or is it is it a Thunderbolt? Huh? Might be a no. no. No, it's an altitude. I'm just joking. <laughs> it just looks the same as the other ones. Uh, but of all of them, Kaz, it seemed like this was the most well-rounded of them, didn't it? Yeah, that would be the one that just, it feels like your actual do everything. And as far as being in the more technical side of trails, um, yeah, it's the bike you just grab and go for a ride and does it why, all. Why? Why, why? why is it so good at all the things? I mean, I think that lightweight does help to a certain extent. It's, I think it was the lightest bike on test, which, you know, it does feel nice when you're pedaling uphill to have a bike that this one is like seven pounds lighter pounds, than the 24 pounds, pre-ride. Cass? No, it's not your down country bike. It was like 30, low 30s, I think, 31. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <thank> but <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, the frame is not crazy stiff. So I felt like when it was kind of wet and slippery out there, it just could kind of track the ground really nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Float X2 shock works well. Yeah, just an easy bike to get along with. And and I mentioned the Ride 9 being kind of silly because I only used one of the positions and that was the slackest. So, um, you know, I, I did mention that I'd like the bike to be a little slacker, at least have the option. But as it is, like if it only came in the slackest setting with no other adjustments, I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, they did a good job. This bike is great. So, yeah. Would you see yourself using the steeper, higher settings in other places? Or is the slack setting kind of like they should have started there? Yeah, I think the slack setting would be a great middle setting because if it had a little steeper, that could be nice for somewhere a little bit more kind of rolling terrain and, um, and that sort of thing. But these days, like a 64 degree head angle kind of feels, bikes have gotten to where that can feel pretty normal. At least I've gotten, so that yeah. feels pretty normal. So yeah. um, I would have liked that to be the middle of the range. I don't think you're going to be seeing too many people put it in that 65.5 degree setting, but um, that's just kind of a little side note on that. Like I said, I could find, I've you know, as in that slack of setting, I had a great time on it. It worked super well around here in Bellingham. Right. So is that the bike you and Levy are going to use to race against each other at EWS uh, We next should, year? right? Since it's already, it's already won some EWS, so maybe we should need <laughs> yeah. to get the altitude and go head to head. Although I don't want those XTR brakes, so let's pick what? a different bike. Oh, the rattly. The rattly pads. And I'm tired of the Shimano brakes. I don't want to complain too much, but they're so annoying. I know. Did it feel like a like a more racy bike, given that, you know, it's kind of had the input of the team and it's, it's an EWS kind of race bike? You know, I, I would say it doesn't really. It doesn't feel like a racy bike. Like, you can definitely go fast on it and it's, it's not holding you back. But I'd say the Trek Slash out of all these bikes, the Slash is the one that felt the raciest. Um, a little bit longer than the other ones. It's stiffer. You can definitely notice that frame stiffness. And I think that made it feel like it just wanted to go fast, uh, where the, the altitude was just a little bit, kind of had a calmer demeanor, I guess. Let's get into that slash, Kaz. Those huge frame tubes, the thing looks extremely stiff. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you could feel on the trail? I'd say it can. Like frame stiffness is, it can be hard to feel just because you have these big wide tires and all the suspension. But I think as the way that that bike tracked, especially in like harder pack, rough corners, it did feel like it was, you know, staying more on its line rather than kind of contouring to the trail, I guess, for lack of a better term. But 
Um, it also had carbon wheels, so they, you know that can add stiffness, and that carbon bar is stiff. So those other factors, but I do think that frame is is fairly stiff. But it didn't feel harsh or uncomfortable either. You've ridden probably all of the slashes by now, I think. Yeah, at least for the last few years, their last few, couple generations. So yeah. what's different about this one on the trail? Not don't tell me what's different, but when you on the trail, you're riding the bike. Where would a rider feel the difference? I think they might notice that extra length. It is a longer bike. If you had a large before and went to this new large, there is a difference in length. So you might feel some, you know, probably a little bit more stable. Not that the old bike was unstable, but you are going to feel that at high speeds. It can kind of carve a little bit better. Um, and they added a new size, medium large. So people that don't want to go that long, they can kind of kind of sit in that size and get the bike that works for them. Does it come in non-Halloween colors? Just curious. I think so it was very bright. I had the bright orange, like a creamsicle color. I think it, yeah. I think there's other colors. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, they have their project one too. So if you wanted to pay extra money, you can get it like sparkly rainbow or whatever you want. Or just black. <laughs> or black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we oh, we didn't mention the that snack rainbow storage. one. <laughs> yeah. Does it it has the snack storage now, doesn't it? Yeah, someone got mad because I think I said snacks in the down tube or something a lot of times in the video. I'm not sure. Sometimes that happens, but it's a good feature. He's <laughs> <laughs> really so excited about it. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. So it has yeah. that, and they have that on the aluminum frame too, which is cool. I just like to have yeah. less stuff on my back, and it's a yeah. selling feature. With bikes getting so good, you need different things that help differentiate one from another, even if a hole in the down tube seems like a small point, but it makes a difference. I got suspension questions for you, Kaz. Yeah. Those previous slashes, you and I have talked about how you would have to run some extra volume spacers and stuff in there for some ramp up. They felt fairly deep, forgiving in a good way, but also deep. Um, you talked about how this bike was different. Yeah, this has a new, uh, it's a super deluxe through shaft shock, I guess super deluxe ultimate technically. So lots of words, but it's that through shaft technology, which has been pretty polarized in the past because they did have some issues with early versions of it. But this shock, uh, it felt great. Like they've got a really good tune on there. You can, there's a three position low speed compression adjustment. So you can set it to be kind of in the middle as you're all around kind of trail zone. And if it's super wet or chunky and you want lighter compression, there's a lighter one, you can firm it up for the bike park or jumps, that type of thing. Um, I think they hit, they, they got that tune, just hit the nail on the head there for that. So yeah, that's a good job by rock shocks on that one, working with Trek to make the tune suit the bike very well. I didn't have to mess with volume spacers or anything. And you do have the option though. You can put in volume spacers and you can also adjust the, um, the negative volume as well. So it's almost like a net, almost like that magneg can, but in Trek's version. Yeah. Neat. Knock block too. It has a knock block, but you can take it off. It's not, it's an optional knock block. The bike okay, works just on. fine without it. Moving <laughs> on. That's all we need to say. It's not it's there, but you I'm don't need it. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we've got our other two bikes here, the Propane Spin Drift and the Norco Shore. These things are both 180 millimeter travel bikes, Kaz. Yeah. Would you race an Enduro on these things? I would not race an Enduro on the Shore because I would not win. Uh, but the spin drift actually <laughs> should we race Sorry, on norco shores <laughs> oh, we could yeah <laughs> we'll have a climbing race a hill climb on the norco shore as long as it's uh, an even playing field right it's fine right yeah yeah but uh we'll talk about the shore in a bit sorry shore um but the propane spin drift yeah it's got a lot of travel but it was actually a ton of fun and way easier to handle than i expected they they didn't it's another company that didn't go too crazy with the geometry and you know that's the nice thing about bikes you don't have to they can have the same amount of travel, but they can feel different because of geometry. So um, it was a really efficient pedaler. I think in your yeah. test, you found it was like maybe the second place one. Yeah, dude, I rode that spin drift and I was like, what is under me? There's this thing that's like these huge tubes, giant tires, coil sprung, 180 mils of travel. And then you ride it and I'm like, oh, 
this is like a 29 pound 30 pound bike with some meaty tires on it and it pedals really well <laughs> yeah fine. it pedals great yeah they got that i think they call it their like pro 10 suspension design or something but dual link layout so this and the nomad both the bikes with a dual link layout were the two efficient ones most efficient um yeah it's just a super easy bike to ride it's not Could, super t- long t- t- tell the people why Kaz. why is this thing so versatile so much more versatile than it looks like yeah, I think because you don't need to be going a thousand miles an hour to make it come alive. You know, some of these longer bikes do so well when you're going at high speeds and, and you know, super rough stuff. But this bike, when it's a little bit tighter and you're kind of wiggling around, maybe not going as slow or sorry, not going as fast, it's easy to handle. So um, I think that helps it. And yeah, the suspension works well on the descents as well. You know, like coil spring um, just feels just really can plow through things, but it still responds well. It doesn't get sucked down or lost in its travel. You, you know all the numbers. Does that thing have a higher anti-squat than some other bikes or that you might expect? I think it's pretty high and it kind of stays higher. The anti-squat stays high to a certain point and then it drops off towards the end of the travel. So um, that does help. Like if you're coming out of a corner and want to sprint a little bit, it still feels nice and efficient. You're not just like, you don't have this big gushy mess of a bike, even with all that travel. So they it hides the 180 millimeters of travel really well when it needs to. And then it's there when you want it. So yeah, pretty cool. Who, who are these like free ride-ish bikes for do you think they're mainly for like people who spend a lot of time in bike parks or yeah it's kind of i mean the propane i could see being somebody that wants that kind of like pedally have all the travel but still be able to pedal really well where like that norco shore i do see that being like a great park bike shuttle bike i wouldn't really want to pedal that too much but you can pedal it if you want to um yeah like the spin drift i guess you could call it a free ride bike but i'd almost put it more in that super enduro enduro category or because you could race that um, pretty easily. I don't think it would hold you back as a race bike for enduro country? courses. Enduro country? Yeah, maybe that upduro. Is this our <laughs> upduro bike? Brian's hot on upduro. I'm not convinced. People <laughs> don't really like, like the word up anything. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you should. If you're, if yeah, I don't know what we'll call it. But so before I'll, we move on, I got to ask you a question about the brakes on that bike. Magira MT, all the pistons. I don't know what they're called. Holy yeah. shit, are they good though? They're <laughs> all good, the power. right? Yeah. Tons of modulation, though. There's still like a good amount of modulation. Yep. Uh, we should do a brake podcast at some point because we end up talking a lot about brakes. But tell tell me what you think about those Maguras. Yeah, they're tell great. me what I they're called been, too, Kaz. I yeah, yeah, I gotta find that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't been on Maguras in a, it's been probably been a couple of years, just because these days the bigger companies tend to get the most specs. So we're you know getting bikes with Shimano or uh, or SRAM, and every once in a while some Haze come through. It seems like, but yeah, it was the Magura. Those are the MT sevens that were on there. Um, just seven yeah, pistons was, per caliper it feels yeah, like <laughs> yeah no not really just four pistons but they worked great and uh there's a little bit less pad clearance between like the rotor and the pad i'd say that some of the other ones out there so you got to make sure your rotors aren't bent but um yeah otherwise i was really impressed and they've kind of messed with their lever feel and shape over the last few years too so it's really adjustable and i found that the shape worked well for me so yeah uh, i've been a big magura fan as well but again we don't we don't really see them that much. We've seen TRP a little bit more lately, but mm-hmm. almost no Magura. So it was nice to use something a little bit differently. But my one sort of con with those brakes is that pad clearance, Kaz. Uh, it just, they just, the pads have to be fairly close to the rotor. And then there's four separate pads, one for each piston in the caliper. So sometimes you get a little, whoo, whoo, whoo. it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Sarah, have you ever used Magura brakes? I have never used Magura brakes. Sounds like huh. I have to try them though. We got we'll have to get a set yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> something something a little different. On to the big boy. Kaz, <laughs> all I want to know is about all the skinnies that you rode and fell off. Just tell us 
I didn't That's fall all any that skinnies, but I rode skinnies. I made sure to ride a trail that had a good skinny on it. And no skinnies in I the made. videos, though. No, Aiden was just not riding skinnies in those. Yeah, my, for people that don't know, I had a stunt double for the videos. There's a lot of people like Casimir doesn't have a beard. Who's that person? So Casimir <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> doesn't have a beard. I definitely don't have a beard. But because of the border being closed, we had someone else ride the bikes for the video. But rest Pink assured, I tested these a lot. Um, so I rode them in Bellingham, and they were filmed in Squamish. But I did ride some skinnies on it. It can handle the skinnies. It's pretty long and slack for the skinnies, though. So it's <laughs> right. got to be a long skinny hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> go off each end. <laughs> what did you expect when you first got that bike? Before you rode it, what did you think it was going to be? I kind of thought it was going to be a super plush bike, you know, more just like a, I don't know, almost like a, undersprung is the wrong word, but I kind of felt like it was just going to be really plush and just suck up all the bumps, just like a race the trail, basically. Um, right. And it, it didn't really and do that. What was it? It was... I don't know how to let's see how to how to put this in words. Well, you have to have eaten your Wheaties in the morning. Like if you can charge and you're on your game, you can definitely just plow through everything on this bike. But you do still feel the trail a lot more. Like it's not just um, I don't know if it's a compression tune in the shock doing that, but it just feels like it wants to ride a little higher in its travel. And for better or worse, Kaz, do you think the bike would be better if it was more forgiving or I think it could less be. better? I think, I think it could be better if it was a little more forgiving. Um, but I think for the hard chargers, the guys, they just want to go like just guys or girls going just full speed and hitting big drops. Um, it does that, you know, it'll just suck up whatever you toss at it. It's just a little bit different feel than I kind of expected. Like the propane, same amount of travel, but that felt, it was kind of just erasing the trail a little bit more. It could really maneuver. And this one was just kind of like, once it was on track, it's, it's going. Right. How many 10,000 foot climbing days did you do on the Norco Shorecast, just for the record? Yeah, not that many. I did zero 10,000 foot climbing days on the <laughs> yeah. I took it on some big days though, like, because you have to. I mean. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's part of what we do. Just, I don't mind, but it was definitely, you know, if I was I faced mind. with a couple, I, I mean, you know, take it up a couple thousand vert or more than that, you know, 3,000 vert climb. And by the top, you're like, all right, that's, that's enough. Because um, there is a way, you know, and it is, it was the only aluminum bike in this, so. Um, but even if it, even for an aluminum bike, it's fairly heavy, like it's 37 pounds. And I think the specialized demo aluminum weighs about that. So that's on the heavier side for sure. Jeez. I, I remember many, many, probably like 12, 14, 13, 15 years ago, I bought an orange 224 and I spent thousands of dollars getting my downhill bike to weigh 37 pounds. Yeah, and yeah. here we are just moaning about how heavy this thing is. I know. I think, well, some of it is because I, uh, in my mind, I was past the days of riding bikes that are almost 40 pounds. Cause right. I, I mean, we've been, we all have done the same thing. I've owned a specialized demo with a dropper post and a bigger cassette cause I'm stupid and pedal it to the top of the hill. Like, <laughs> so we all That's done Kaz's that. But, daily bike still for everybody listening. Yeah, yeah, daily driver, just rocking. He has a Titex scoper post on uh -huh. it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it is on the heavier side of things, but I mean, there are good news is compared to when you used to put do silly things for downhill bikes. This has a good steep C tube angle. Like your climbing position is super comfortable. Probably one of the best out of these, all the bikes here. So, um, it does help take some sting out of the clients, but you, you just gotta be, know what you're in for. What kind of rider would you be if this was your only bike? Uh, I think a lot of bike park, a lot of shuttle apps, but you still want to pedal once in a while. Like it's, you know, it's a great, um, it'll handle any kind of super rough, steep downhill and it jumps well too. You know, I mentioned it maybe wasn't totally erasing the, the bumps, but it actually jumped better than I expected. Sometimes with these higher pivot bikes, um, when you hit the 
you kind of hit the lip of a jump. It feels like it's getting longer and doesn't have that pop. But this one was actually super poppy. And when I when you really pushed into it, so. might have something to do with that firmish compression mm-hmm. tune. If that's yeah, exactly. Is. Yep. So this would be a great bike for the bike park, though. I would have a super good time there. This bike it lasts in efficiency. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was last on the efficiency test, James. Thanks for bringing that up. But I mean. The bike also weighs 37 pounds, heavier things go slower up hills. I didn't want to talk about the efficiency test, James. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, yes, it's obviously slower and it feels slower, but it also, it weighs more and it's all of the bikes weighed differently for the efficiency test. And obviously that is an outcome. So, yeah. And I guess I got to mention that the weight, that weight is actually with XL plus tires front and rear, and it comes with double down tires, which is a nice spec, like a bike like this deserves those, but that doesn't help with the weight. So out of the box, out of the box with tubes in it, I think it was like 39 pounds. Are they double down ass guys? Is that what it comes with? Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. I think ass guy front DHR two rear. So like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we're kind of like, now, yeah, we're not saying too many positive things about it, but there are people that are going to love this bike. Like, mm-hmm. if you're hard on bikes and just want to smash things and don't care about weight, it's, yeah. Yeah, and I'm mostly just laughing at the fact that it's, like, a, it is a big, heavy bike, and then it comes stock with, like, monster tires that, yeah. especially an, an ass guy that's pretty slow. So, yeah, I mean, it's, but those are, that is the correct spec. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. So, like, the parts on it are all, you know, really close to what you'd want, so. Yeah, what about uh, that idler, Kaz? Was that the correct spec? I did have an issue one time, like it did jump the, I dropped the chain off at once and then it doesn't, it is a little bit louder. Um, so yeah. again, we just something some, else to think about. We had some angry people that were mainly on my reviews, on my Acto 5 review with the Idler because I didn't, I didn't have any trouble with it, but I still said I was scared of it. I'm still scared of Idlers. Yeah, they do add extra complication. They're, they're pretty simple. I mean, compared to other things that add complication, it's just one moving a wheel but uh but yeah it can be noisier especially in muddy conditions there is a potential for some chain issues so something to consider um do you have an overall favorite kaz of all these bikes i think the altitude would be my favorite that's the bike that i seemed like when i had all these bikes lined up that that'd be the one i kind of kept grabbing when i could pick anyone uh, just a great bike for around here where they're you know long climbs with some decently rowdy descents so i think if i could own one of these just if money was no object it was i think the most expensive one but um, but yeah, I think I'd pick that altitude. But it sounded like that wasn't the one that you would take to a race. Oh, uh, I think I would race that. Yeah. I would race either the altitude or the slash. I think were the two that felt the most, uh, most racy, I guess. Um, I'd also, I mean, the spin drift was good too. It's a hard, this is a hard category cause we had a lot of good bikes, <laughs> but I think if I had to have one bike as my own, I think that altitude would be there uh, with the slash probably pretty close in the mix too. Was that like a surprise? Would you have, would you have expected that? going in or was that uh it was kind of a surprise i I guess i wasn't sure what to expect it's been a bit since i rode i think the last rocky i rode i mean besides the slayer which we don't talk about uh yeah i'm not sure the altitude did surprise me a little bit so yeah in a good way about the slayer the way you said it (laughs) oh we don't talk about the slayer (laughs) well because it broke so we're not supposed to yeah that's yeah everyone still thinks we did things wrong either way (laughs) oh yeah moving past that that. yeah (laughs) yeah the altitude uh it was a good Sorry, Luca. Also, yeah <laughs> uh but the nomad too i'd say was the nomad surprised me also like i i've always liked the nomad but this one i was like oh this is really fun so enough um, to get on small wheels again though kaz probably not i just like having bigger wheels and i just kind of like feel like i can go a little bit faster with the bigger wheels so 
How about um, Shag, Marry, Kill from these bikes? Yeah, let's see. We'll go Shag the Propane Spindrift. That'd be good for like, just for some fun times, uh, but maybe not all the time. Like Marry the Rocky Mountain Altitude, because that'd be a nice like long-term relationship there. I could get along with that for a, a good extended period of time. The Kill... I think I'm gonna have to kill the shore. Sorry, I don't want to kill free ride. Like, <laughs> indestructible though. It was yeah, just coming back kill. to life. I know it could withstand the apocalypse. So uh, kill, but it will come back to life. So yeah. Um, what about when the border opens? What are you gonna bring up to the Whistler Bike Park? Uh, I'd probably that slash. I think would be really fun in the park, and probably the shore too, really. But I think the slash would be the one I would like to spend some time in the bike park on. What when last year's field? test last year was the, the enduro yeah specialized enduro how does the um the altitude compare to that it's a different bike by it's a really different bike um you know has the enduro has more travel so 170 millimeters of travel and the enduro feels more like it's in that kind of plowy smashy side of things where the altitude feels a little bit more like a extra extra overgrown trail bike if that description makes sense so like the enduro would be kind of more my bike park style bike and the altitude I think is kind of more your pedally bike. Both can obviously do both things, but just a general feel of them. I think the enduro having that weight a little bit lower in the frame, the more travel, different suspension layout, um, kind of leans itself more towards that sort of smash through everything. It's also a bit longer too in the, in that size. All right, there you guys go. Kaz and Rocky Mountain Altitude, they're going to live happily ever after. Maybe we'll check in a little bit, see if they're still together. (laughs) We're going on to comment gold now, uh, and this one is a throwback comment gold. It's on our 2020 predictions article from a year ago. Courier 6 says, electronics on bikes, they're so 2019. Electronics on bikes that require paid subscriptions are 2020. Get your derailleur for free and only pay $9.99 per month to access your 60-tooth cog. That might be the comment of the year. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty good, Carrier 6. I like it. I'd rather pay once per year than pay every single month. It sounds, yeah. I hate those $9.99 per month things. Yeah, yeah and then it you all forget. out of the way. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's easier to forget if you just pay it once and you're like, and oh, then yeah, all have of a sudden, great four years thing. later, you know, you've been paying for four <laughs> years of your 60-tooth cog and HBO. Yeah. yeah. You get you in the, house. the one-month yeah. free trial and then yeah. forget all about it. <laughs> right. And our last comment, comment gold, it's from Jesse Melamed. Speaking of Rocky Mountain Altitude, didn't he win a bunch of races on that damn thing? No, this, well, he did, yes. But this comment's yeah. not about the altitude. No, it's, it's not something about else that he should put on his altitude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesse Melamed says, is there an option to switch the dual crown to the other size? I turn better to the left and need that extra turning radius. There you go. We know Jesse's secret. He'll have to work on those right-hand turns. Yeah, winter training. He's going right. to make a whole right-hand course track. All right, everybody, that was episode number 36, Grilling Kaz about enduro bikes. Make sure to ask your enduro bike questions in the comment section below. Kaz will get in there and answer every single question he says. (laughs) Make sure to give us a rating on whatever podcast app you use, but only do it if you're going to give us five stars, please. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 